Hello and welcome to the EMG Health Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Jonathan Sakia. I've recently been exploring so-called alternative medicine on the podcast, and today we're going to stretch away the stress with yoga. Just to be clear, I am no expert in this, but have friends who are vocal advocates. My first foray into yoga? <laughs> it ain't as simple as it looked. I do my best to try and stay fit. I run every day, but this is not easy. But I am absolutely committed to persevering. Look, health is more than the absence of disease and any form of exercise that strengthens the body minimizes the harmful effects of stressors is good for you and for the doctors listening in, for your patients. I'm going to outline the clinical solutions that these ancient practices may provide for patients and ask a question. Is this alternative therapy really curative or is it, well, just a trendy fad? Spoiler alert, I know where I stand or rather lie on a mat. See what I did there? Before we begin, whether you're a devoted yogi or a firm skeptic, I'm going to ask that you join me in a brief exercise. It's going to consume about 20 seconds of your day. So what I'd like you to do is sit upright or or stand with your back straight. Done that? Okay. First, what I want you to do is exhale completely through your mouth. And by the way, I'm going to go through this again and we'll actually do it. But I just want to give you the heads up. So first, exhale completely through your mouth, making an audible sigh as you do, (sighs) like that. Then close your mouth and inhale through your nose for four seconds. Now hold your breath for seven seconds and then exhale through your mouth for another eight seconds. So let's try that together and I'm going to count you down. First, exhale completely through your mouth, making an audible sigh as you do. Inhale through your nose for one, two, three, four seconds. Hold your breath for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seconds. And then I want you to exhale through your mouth for another one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seconds. Hopefully, you'll be feeling a little calmer. And I'll bet if you've got a smartwatch, you would see your pulse rate drop. And if you were measuring your arterial blood oxygen, guess what? It would go up. So what we just did is a well-known breath control exercise known as the 478 breath. A technique that's a form of pranayama, which means the extension of the prana or breath in Sanskrit. Some of you will know that Sanskrit is an ancient Bronze Age South Asian language that currently only has about 14,000 native speakers, but millions, millions of yoga addicts around the world know these and other Sanskrit words. So back to pranayama breathing exercises. They're one of the key aspects of yoga and meditation. And this practice of control and mindfulness is said to be one of the ways that yoga can improve relaxation and reduce stress. I'm sure when many of you listening think of yoga, 
you'll be conjuring images of fitness fanatics contorting themselves into unnatural shapes like a pretzel on a studio floor. But there's much more to yoga than just sun salutations and downward facing dogs. Yoga is a term derived from the Sanskrit word yuj, meaning to yoke or to unite. It's an ancient Indian spiritual practice and form of exercise that aims to integrate mind, body and spirit through both physical postures known as asanas and breathing techniques or pranayamas like the method that we just tried. Many people participate in yoga to improve posture, strength, balance and flexibility. But the mindful aspect of this discipline is often how its therapeutic impact is derived. Meditative yoga has been linked to improving several stress-related issues, both mental and physical, and is becoming increasingly common as a recommended method of relaxation for a range of patients. Teaching yoga can be traced back around 5,000 years to the Indus Sarasvati civilization in northern India, with some researchers even postulating that it goes further back, maybe 10,000 years. The precise origin and chronology of yoga is uncertain, as early yogic scriptures were believed to be transcribed on palm leaves that have now obviously been lost. But its first known mention is in the Rig Veda, a Brahmanic text made up mostly of rituals and mantras used by priests. By the 5th century, yoga had been adopted by Buddhists and Hindus who saw meditation as a religious doctrine, using concentration and mindfulness as an act of discipline in order to achieve enlightenment. In 1893, the Indian Hindu monk and philosopher Swami Vivekananda gave a historic speech at the Parliament of the World's Religions in Chicago, where he introduced Indian religious practices to, in his words, the Sisters and Brothers of America. Vivekananda is largely accredited for bringing the Eastern philosophy of yoga to the West. As interest in the East grew in the 20th century, American Yoga Studios opened, the first in Hollywood, in 1948 by Indra Devi, a Russian noblewoman now nicknamed the First Lady of Yoga. Her classes were attended by movie stars like Greta Garbo and Gloria Swanson, and Devi wrote books such as Yoga for Americans that were sold in 29 countries and translated into 10 languages. With Devi's influence, yoga became mainstream. The spiritual aspect of the practice flourished in popularity during the flower power era of the 60s. And in fact, 1969's Woodstock Festival was kicked off with yoga teacher Swami Sajidananda declaring to a crowd of 500,000 let all our actions and all our arts express yoga. Who knew? You know what they say about the 1960s, that if you can remember them, you weren't there. In the 1980s, increased gymnastic elements penetrated yoga and popularity skyrocketed. Videos teaching yoga were released by, among others, Jane Fonda and Raquel Welch, the pioneers of the 80s aerobic craze, and yoga was primarily thought of as a way of staying fit. Today, it's estimated that over 300 million people worldwide practice yoga, whether for inner peace or athleticism, and the global yoga industry is thought to be worth over $88 billion. And by 2025, it's expected to reach a value of $215 billion. I mean, let's face it, you can't turn up to your yoga class in any old clothes, can you? 
So what about the health benefits of yoga? We know that yoga improves flexibility, balance, and joint health. It increases strength and muscle tone and helps with back pain. By nature, asanas, or the posture-based exercises involved in yoga, are an excellent method of stimulating muscles and increasing range of motion and, in turn, enhancing general well-being. I mean, we know exercise makes you feel better. However, medical therapeutic benefits are only recently being evaluated. For instance, studies have found increasing evidence treating mental health-related issues with yoga and meditation, and there have been promising cases where yoga has been shown to alleviate symptoms of physical ailments and diseases. So let's dig into the literature a bit. Today, amplified by the COVID pandemic, stress is recognized as a global public health problem. It's been reported that 60% of the US population claim that they're under constant daily stress and 73% report stress impacts their mental health. Depression is, of course, a common manifestation of stress. This is an illness that affects more than a quarter of a billion people worldwide. A 2017 review by Ledetra Bridges and colleagues from Mississippi's Jackson State University monitored yoga participants where it was being used to address depression. They were asked to practice yoga anywhere from daily to once a week for up to 90 minutes. Regardless of the length of intervention, in every study, yoga yielded positive results with some cases showing long-term positive benefits. And in an online British survey in 2020, those who practiced yoga regularly reported improved well-being, less stress, and higher rates of positive health behaviors. It makes sense scientifically for yoga to reduce stress. Meditative, slow breathing like the pranayama we did at the beginning effectively reverses the effect of the fight or flight response. It decreases heart rate. It normalizes blood pressure. It reduces the production of stress hormones such as adrenaline, and it increases oxygen consumption efficiency. Beyond breathing, yoga's physicality may also contribute to improved mental health, and not just from the endorphin rush brought on by the exercise. It's been suggested that the practice of yoga could be adopted to treat self-image-related mental health issues, such as body dysmorphia, as the principles of yoga focus on establishing a connection with the body, attuning one, if you will, to self-care. Look, as a man, I do very few things that are you know, just for me. But something as simple as going for a haircut makes one feel better, I don't know, cared for. So this makes sense to me from a first principles basis. As well as being a proven stress buster, yoga's been evaluated in serious neurological conditions, including dementia and Alzheimer's disease. Of course, I'm not suggesting for one minute that depression and stress are not serious. A 2020 article in EMJ's Neurology Journal by Anastasia Bougia from the National Kapodistrian University of Athens reviewed therapeutic effects of yoga in people with dementia. Although conclusions were limited by sample size and follow-up, neuropsychiatric, cognitive, and physical symptoms, as well as improved quality of life, were seen in nearly all the studies with hardly any adverse effects. Furthermore, a 2017 study showed that a six-session yoga program improved working memory and mindfulness of its participants. 
So yoga may enhance cognition, making it an intriguing option for neurological treatment for many diseases for which there are no other therapeutic choices. For instance, there's evidence that yoga may help in post-traumatic stress disorder. A trial in 2014 of 64 women with chronic treatment-resistant PTSD showed that after a weekly one-hour class for 10 weeks, 16 participants in the yoga group no longer met the criteria for PTSD. Think of that. Yoga, 10 weeks, they were no longer considered to have the condition. The study authors stated that the effect was comparable to well-researched psychotherapeutic and psychopharmacologic approaches, helping these patients tolerate physical and sensory experiences that would normally be triggers that would set off senses of helplessness and fear. Additionally, yoga's been shown to improve quality of life in cancer patients. In a 2017 study of women with breast cancer who were either receiving or had completed treatment, yoga reduced depression, anxiety, fatigue, and sleep disturbances. Another article published in EMJ Oncology reported reduced insomnia and improved sleep quality in cancer patients. Look, poor sleep quality sadly troubles up to 90% of cancer patients. So this study and others may see yoga deployed more widely to help these patients and to help them stay off additional drugs like uh, hypnotics to help them sleep. And in addition to improving mental well-being of cancer patients, yoga also improves physical symptoms as part of comprehensive approaches to cancer care. As a form of exercise, it's effective, gentle, requires no complex and expensive equipment, so it works perfectly in keeping patients active during cancer therapy. I mean, we know that physical fitness best positions one to endure any kind of treatment. In fact, in one 12-week yoga study, inflammatory activity was reduced in breast cancer patients. And I'm going to dig into that because numerous studies have shown that yoga reduces the inflammatory response in many chronic conditions, including rheumatoid arthritis. Many of you, of course, know that we can measure inflammation with markers like serum interleukin and C-reactive protein, right? Well, in a 2010 study comparing inflammatory responses of novices and yoga experts, the novices' serum interleukin-6 levels were 41% higher than those of experts across session. And the odds of a novice having detectable C-reactive protein were 4.75 times higher than experts. So here you have evidence of a blood marker, two blood markers that are changed by doing yoga. And change for the better, of course. Yoga can also re-establish immunological tolerance in those with inflammatory arthritis, both by improving remission at a cellular level and in reducing depression. Not only the mind is relaxed and the body more supple, but harsh immune-mediated responses may also get a bit, well, dare I say it, zen. What about back pain? It's one of the most common complaints taking people to the doctor. A 2013 systematic review found strong evidence for short-term effectiveness and moderate evidence for long-term effectiveness of yoga for chronic low back pain. 
Another randomized study comparing yoga with a home-based exercise program showed that yoga was much more effective in relieving chronic, non-specific neck pain intensity and disability, but also seemed to improve neck muscle functional status. Falls are another major health problem, especially in the elderly. More than 50% of folks over 80 have a fall at least once a year. I know with my late mum, this was the issue that finally ended her life. Even though yoga may improve core strength, balance and mobility, hard evidence is lacking as to whether yoga could help here. However, it almost certainly can't hurt as long as people work within their physical limits as advised by their doctors. So yoga is surely a peaceful and inexpensive way to keep fit and improve mood and may have all sorts of other benefits as we've alluded to. And maybe others like smoking cessation or even seizure control. As I said at the beginning, I'm just starting to flirt with yoga. And I have immense respect for the people who can tie themselves into knots while looking totally sublime, of course. In the words of Indra Devi, the first lady of yoga herself, Yoga is an art and science of living. It's definitely an art, and the science seems to be getting there, and I'm certainly along for the ride. Well, folks, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed our journey onto the yoga mat. As we play out with some yoga music, please subscribe to future weekly editions of the EMG Health Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Jonathan Sakia. So, until next time, stay safe, Stay well, stay curious, namaste.